Hello and welcome to Metaphorically Speaking with me, Delia Delore. If you've not heard of the show before, welcome. Get ready to learn with us as we dissect popular mottos, mantras and metaphors. We trace their origins and find how they translate to everyday life. Each week we have a special guest who resonates with their chosen expression. Today's guest is the illustrious Cheryl Jennings, CEO and founder of Cheryl Caregiving, an organization that supports parents and families of children with special needs. Cheryl is an advocate of caregivers' rights, is a six-time best-selling author of various books on the challenges of being a caregiver, and the voice behind her podcast, Heartfelt Perspectives, which focuses on communication between families who are struggling. Her chosen metaphor really made me think a lot about caregivers. And you might find that strange, but when you hear the metaphor and hear the context and Cheryl's interview, you'll understand what I mean. Today, we will be talking about the well-known and well-used phrase, to wear their heart on their sleeve. The phrase is often used to describe someone who feels all the spectrum of emotions found in all humans, unabashedly and honestly. As someone who often wears their own heart on their sleeve, I am no stranger to both those who see it as a positive and those who maybe haven't yet seen the light. While wearing your heart on your sleeve might make you open to pain, hurt and sometimes ridicule, it also allows love, trust and most importantly laughter. So be prepared to open up and be a little vulnerable today as we get into the nitty gritty of a phrase that is believed to have been in our common vernacular since the time of knights in shining armor. Heaven is my judge, not I for love nor duty, but seeming so for my peculiar ends. For when my outward action doth demonstrate the native act and figure of my heart in compliment excellence, Tis not long after, but I will wear my heart upon my sleeve for doors to pecker. <laughs> <laughs> but I will wear my heart upon my sleeve for doors to peck at. As said by Iago from Shakespeare's Othello, a notorious villain whose motivations are singular to see Othello undone. A great example of how old and persistent this phrase is that even in the time of Elizabethan England, it was so well known that good old Will felt he could put it in one of his plays and it would be easily understood by all. But what are the origins of this phrase that appears to have been around forever? Well, interestingly enough, no one really knows. Like so many phrases that we use in our day to day, the original meaning, if there ever was one, has been lost to time. However, humans, as we are, strive to uncover all sorts of mysteries and out of that drive comes several theories. And it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's really, really hard. So very, very hard. I make it look easy, but honey, believe me, it's hard. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard, it's so incredibly hard. So inconceivably, unbelievably hard. It's hard to be the bard. The first theory is also the easiest one to accept. While Shakespeare did put it in his play, he also, like so many other phrases and words, invented it himself. The man was a genius after all, so why not? I mean, he also made up such classics as in a pickle to describe when one is in a tricky situation, which I think we've all had once in our life. Green-eyed monster, for better or worse, Will was right again. 
And of course, my personal favorite, it's all Greek to me, to denote a lack of understanding. Apologies to any members of our audience who are Greek. So if William Shakespeare did invent all these other phrases, along with a string of words as well, why could he have not also invented this one? Well, for me, the clue is in the speech itself. Iogo is talking about how his motivations are so clear that he wears his heart, the vessel for all emotions, on his sleeve. So easily seen that doors or birds could peck at it. But Iogo, being the villain he is, never actually reveals his true reasons to anyone. So there's the rub, another one by Shakespeare. The audience understands that Iogo is hiding his true motives, but uses a saying that is the complete opposite. Now stay with me here. There is a method to my madness. Again, thank you, Will, for that one. Shakespeare must have been aware that his audience of both upper and common class people would understand what wear my heart upon my sleeve meant in its original context and then come to the realization that Iago is saying it as a falsity and really making sure they know how brilliant Mr. Shakespeare was. I mean, he was a writer. We all want people to know how smart we are. So to come full circle, wow, he really did invent a lot of phrases. Maybe this saying has origins even before the time of Hamlet and Henry the Fourth, Fifth and Sixth. By the power vested in me by my father, King Edward, and by all the witnesses here, I dub thee Sir William. We travel into the time of knights and maidens where honor and battle are the norm to when noblemen with hearts of gold. What? Did you think we just stop with the Shakespeare and would compete for the affections of the fairest princess in all the land? Or at least that's how some fairy tales describe it. So how does our metaphor fit into this scene? What does a knight have to do with hearts and sleeves? Is that what jousting was? All good questions, but the answers may surprise you. Supposedly, during the joust, many knights would petition various noble ladies for favors, such as handkerchiefs. I mean, we've all seen a medieval movie, the knight astride his mighty steed, approaches the fairest princess he can spy and says, my lady, I will win this competition for you. Might I have a favor to bid me good luck? And then the princess rises and gives the handsome knight what he asked for. However, from this very scene is apparently where our saying of the week comes from. For the knights would take this piece of garment, tie it around their sleeve, which was not just part of a shirt, but a piece of armor they would wear to protect the arm and show to all in attendance who had their heart. Thus, a new saying was born. For knights would wear their heart or who had their interest upon their sleeve. Again, slightly more romantic than the second option. I'll wear this snotty handkerchief so the pretty girl will like me. But it's important to note that even back then, to show one's true feelings, be open and honest were traits that were revered, thought important and to be celebrated. Today, we welcome our guest, Cheryl Jennings, a best-selling author, international speaker, and advocate for caregivers all around the globe. Cheryl has spoken all over the world about creating strong families, 
and has been called the best friend to parents of children with special needs. Thanks for joining us today, Cheryl. Great. Cheryl, thank you so much for being part of Metaphorically Speaking with us. And uh, as soon as I saw the metaphor presented to me by our producer, I thought, aha, I have been doing my kind of professional thing and searching through LinkedIn and looking through and seeing interesting people. And I came across you. And uh, with the metaphor, I thought, I think you would do this some justice. So the metaphor is they wear their heart on their sleeve. Does that resonate with you at all, whether it's professional or personally? Um, absolutely. <laughs> Anybody that gets to know me knows that I am very easily touched with things that are going on, but that's not the, that's not a negative thing. The good thing is because not only me, but many people I know are touched with the things that are going on in the world. It makes us want to do something about it. And if we didn't have a heart for helping and a mission to help people, you know, we would just sit on the sidelines and talk about it, either good or bad, whatever we felt about it. But the fact that we do have such a heart that would make us care what's happening to our families, what's happening to our children. You know, this last year, we've had so many mental health issues going on around the world, and COVID kind of brought this to a head. But, you know, that's not the only thing that's happened in our world. But I think because people are, they're a little bit more sensitive to the people around them, I think this is a it's a great phrase. Yes, we're going to get to talk about this. <laughs> yeah, but you know, the response you've given me has been a very much a humanitarian one. And I think it's justified if our listeners know a bit more about you and what you do. And I think then they will understand why you responded in the way that you did. So tell us a bit about what you do. Well, being a mother of a son with cerebral palsy that's always needed to be cared for, has made me aware that there's so many people out there who are also doing this. But, you know, it's funny because so many people, and I probably felt that way too, is at first you feel like you're all alone. You know, who else is going through such a difficult challenge of having a, a child that you get this diagnosis you weren't expecting, and then you don't know what it means. And for me, it happened, you know, was many years ago because my son is 53 and at that time they didn't even know what was wrong with him for 14 months and I had a baby that cried all the time and so if he was he needed to be held most of the time because he couldn't sit up he didn't have head control or anything but nobody told us how to take care of him but they didn't tell us how we needed to take care of ourselves and as a result, I worked as hard and fast as I could all day, every day without much sleep until my body broke down. And because of that, I am watching other people going through similar things and it's exhausting. And it takes so much out of a person to be a caregiver that I, I thought, you know, I wanna know how we can change that perspective. How can we help people coming behind us so they don't go through some of the same things that we've gone through. And that's my purpose in being out there is to try to make a path that's easier for those who are caring for, if it's a child with special needs or if they're caring for their parents, to find ways that are 
better, more efficient, that can give you the support and the resources that you need. And I'm big on that. I really want to be a movement maker, a difference maker in the world to make it easier for us to support each other and to understand when somebody else is going through something, how to talk to them and how not to talk to them. And then to be able to provide more support because if you're doctors, your teachers, and people who are some of the ones that would come to respond to this situation, if they don't understand what you're going through, then a lot of times they will put unreal expectations on parents. And I, I don't think they get, uh, the parents get heard very often. So I also want to empower the parents, learn how to speak up for your child, because if you don't, they don't have a voice. Yeah. I do understand. I, I'm a, a grandmother with uh, a grandchild with uh, very special needs as well. So I do understand where you're coming from. But, you know, if we were looking at the general um, audience who may feel, well, I get that, but I see this phrase, they wear their heart on their sleeve, very much an emotional one, emotional one dealing with not only romance, but not letting someone know too much about you because if you show them how you feel entirely, then it's going to be very easy for them to hurt your feelings and to take advantage of your feelings. What do you think of that? I think you're right on that too. You know, um, sometimes do you think that this could be part of the problem for people who are if they're more concerned about supporting somebody else that they ne and neglect themselves, that they become the people who are codependent, that they enable people who have a weakness to be worse because they excuse them all the time. And if you are the kind of person that is, you're feeling sorry for people all the time, it's easy to be walked on and people can take advantage of that, you know, for their own uh, benefit because they know that if they do something that's wrong, you're going to jump right in and you're going to try to solve that problem for them. And I think that's part of another facet of this, wearing your heart on your sleeve, the responses that you give in different situations. And it can be good or it can be bad. And yeah. that's the part that is, you know, interesting about this phrase. You know, I think in talking to you, uh, what's come to my mind is if, we as human beings paid attention to our shortcomings in relationships or in anything at all. And I say our, I mean, not just us as an individual, but the other people involved in that scenario. If we learned from it, then we would be able to protect ourselves and we would be able to wear our heart on our sleeves because if we had learned from the previous mistakes we will protect our heart protect ourselves but still wear our heart on our sleeves because if we don't if we are around genuine people we will miss out on genuine love on genuine relationship and i talk about love i'm not talking about you know physical love i'm talking about love for for each other love for people you know love for country love for anything and 
a lot of us maybe don't think of it in that way. And I know for sure that like most people, I have been hurt and burnt because I was too upfront or too caring or people understood where I was coming from. And if I had decided, well, you know what, I'm going to close my heart and I'm not going to be like that, then I wouldn't have the benefit of recognizing my husband when I saw him, of understanding that, well, all the stuff that was in the past, I have ensured that I've learned from it. So now in the relationship with my husband, I can stop those bad habits or those things that I know deep inside didn't do well in my previous relationships. And so wearing my heart on my sleeve gave me the person who has been in my life over 10 years, who continuously shows me that he's wearing his heart on his sleeve now because I showed it to him. So I'm open and honest with him. And so he feels he can do the same with me. So when I heard that, uh, that the expression, me, like most people, I thought, oh, no, oh, no, I'd never do that. I would never advise anyone to do that. But actually listening to you, I've thought, oh my gosh, I've not thought of it this way, but this is how I have been behaving in wearing my heart on my sleeve. And not just with my husband, with my, my family, with people who I come across in business. Um, although you, maybe it's not a term that is um, would link with business, but I think, uh, especially I suppose in your business, you would, wearing your heart on your sleeve, you would, wouldn't you? Because if you're caring for others, you have to be open and honest because people who have special needs, they they are very in tune, aren't they, with how someone feels about them, aren't they? They're very in tune. So you have to wear your heart on your sleeve in that situation. Well, and like you said, they're in tune to how people treat them. And I've listened to different people to describe it. In fact, there was... Um, a little video on YouTube that I listened to just yesterday. And it was two brothers that have a very rare disease that made their facial, um, you know, everything about them uh, be totally different. And they were talking about what is the best thing that can happen to them. And, and these two little boys, it's unusual to have two, two in a family that would have this disease. It is so rare. They're like, the only ones in a huge part of our country that even have this, but it's a long name I can't pronounce, but they were saying the best thing for them was when people are nice to them because they get bullied a lot or they get people calling them names and really hurting their feelings a lot because they don't look the same. And this is where I think if we as just wonderful human beings could just say, you know, if that were me, how would I want to be treated? We would turn this world upside down for good because people don't like to be mistreated. And when we talk about things like bullying, it's because somebody wants to have more control and look powerful over somebody else. So they, who do they choose? The weakest. Mm -hmm. They choose somebody that they can, can really hurt. But the point I wanted to go back and, and make was that because we have our hearts on our sleeves, we are in tune with other people. And you talked about love. Love isn't just a feeling that I have. It moves me into action. Love is what we do for others. It's how we respond to them. It's how we care for other people. 
and that's what true love is. And that's what we all want. We want people that are genuine. We don't want them to be fake. I say, let's all put our hearts on our sleeves. And that's just being aware of the goodness and the kindness that we can present to other people. I couldn't have said that better myself. Cheryl, thank you so much for being with us today. Oh, I'm loving it. I just think this is such a sweet topic and you were so kind to have me come on. And, you know, if people are looking for another person to respond to them, just keep in mind how you respond first or how you treat them may mean the difference in being treated really well or terrible. So it, you know, we can all do something about this particular problem that we might see around us where people are not kind, but we can change it, but we change it one person at a time. I agree with you. Thank you so much. Oh, well, thank you. Now that we have broken the ice, Taming of the Shrew, Act 1, Scene 1, we come to the final theory of our phrase's origins. Again, we travel back in time. Valentine's Day, around 266 AD, to the time of the Romans, and people called Claudius, Aurelius, and Vicus Dickus. Anybody else feel like a little giggle when I mention my friend, Vicus Dickus? What about you? Do you find it visible when I say the name Dickus? Dickus? He has a wife, you know. You know what she's called? Incontinentia. Incontinentia buttocks. Damn! What's it all this? Enough of this rowdy, rebel, sniggering behavior. It just so happens that St. Valentine's is marrying people, which, according to Emperor Claudius II, is illegal because the Claudster believes that unattached, unmarried men make for better soldiers. But humans, as we are, seek companionship in another. Some base nature drives us towards others. We are social creatures after all. And so Claudius made a concession and came up with a new idea that temporary coupling was allowed. Probably his second worst idea after the whole soldiers can't get married. So during the festival of Juno, the Roman goddess of family and marriage could cut the irony with a spoon on this one. The soldiers of the emperor's army would draw names of women who had put their names into a jar, sort of like an odd raffle. But instead of winning a cassette player, the soldier would win a companion for the year. Once drawn, the men would inscribe the name of the woman they drew upon their sleeve for a whole year. And thus, they would wear their heart or their <clears throat> lady friend's name upon their sleeve. Truly taking the phrase, love is blind, to its very limits, a phrase which wouldn't be invented for another 1,300 years, thanks again to, you guessed it, William Shakespeare. Those are just three theories telling us where our metaphor came from. Because despite what your primary school textbooks tell you, history can get a little messy. We could do an entire series on the dozens of other theories, but we do not want too much of a good thing. Maybe we should rename this the Shakespeare podcast. So what has this all been for? Well, as we know, 
A saying isn't very good without meaning. Ah, romantic love. Beautiful and intoxicating. Heartbreaking and soul-crushing. Often all at the same time. Why do we choose to put ourselves through its emotional ringer? Does love make our lives meaningful? Or is it an escape from our loneliness and suffering? Is love a disguise for our sexual desire? Or a trick of biology to make us procreate? Is it all we need? Do we need it at all? If romantic love has a purpose, neither science nor psychology has discovered it yet. We all at some point have worn our heart on our sleeve, whether admitting we have a crush, apologizing for something we did wrong, or a vulnerable moment in a time of great trials. After all, we are only human. Maybe that's why people make up sayings like this one, because it is in those universal experiences that we truly connect. If humans never opened up or confessed their innermost feelings, cooperation would be almost impossible. It's hard to build a house together if you're constantly worried the guy next to you might push you off the roof. Now, I'm not saying everyone has a heart of gold. People lie all the time. And being vulnerable also allows people to take advantage of that. And sadly, many of us have been on the receiving end of, I think we should just be friends, or it's not you, it's me. But as with many things, heartbreak is also a universal human experience. One, I think many of us wish it wasn't. But as humans, we are also optimistic creatures. And often in our lowest moments is when we find who we truly are. I think it speaks well of us as a species that a phrase like this has persisted so long in our history that despite it all, through the hardships and through tough times, that people still value speaking from the heart, that human connections deep down is what we all want really. Maybe that's why knights would compete in dangerous competitions just to be noticed by pretty women, or ladies would carry around handkerchiefs to award handsome noblemen in shining armor, or why, despite the law, soldiers of Claudius still argued for a companion, if just for the year, or the reasons why Aiego was so against the wearing his heart upon his sleeve because he feared what his real, true emotions might do to his schemes and his plans against Othello. So where I started was with connection, because by the time you're a social worker for 10 years, what you realize is that connection is why we're here. It's what gives purpose and meaning to our lives. This is, this is what it's all about. It doesn't matter whether you talk to people who work in social justice and mental health and abuse and neglect. What we know is that connection, the ability to feel connected, is neurobiologically, that's how we're wired, it's why we're here. So I thought, you know what, I'm gonna start with connection. I'm no expert on human emotions, but I've been out there and I've seen those special moments where we all wear our heart on our sleeve, someone kneeling down to propose to the love of their life, parents watching their child graduate from university, or an old couple taking one final stroll in the park. Maybe that's what it's all about in the end and what the phrase ultimately refers to, love. Something so simple, yet so complex. We have numerous phrases for it and how we value it. This idea has survived the test of time and is so powerful and persistent that Hallmark created an entire genre of movies about it. Because maybe that's all anyone wants in the end, 
to be loved and to give some love away. I've got a sneaky feeling you'll find that love actually is all around. India Times writer Palak Doshi put together an article based on snippets she'd read and called it 11 Reasons Your Heart on Your Sleeve is the Best Thing You Can Do for Yourself. Here's a few examples. People get to know the real you. Found on Tumblr. You get a sense of who is around for the right reasons. Blog on HubSpot. Your sincerity of emotion will weed out all the people that are interested in you only for superficial reasons, like because you're good-looking, rich, or just because they're out of friends. You'll make some strong bonds and connect with people on a real level. There might be fewer people, but they'll stick around for long. I'm not sure about that, because how can you weed out people who are interested in you only for superficial reasons if you are wearing your heart on your sleeve? There's a big chance that you won't notice that because you're wearing your heart on your sleeve. And this brings to mind another metaphor, love is blind. So I'm not sure about that one. Don't know how you feel about that. Um, okay, here's another one. You aren't afraid to say or do what you want. That was uh, taken from the Huffington Post. Aware of the various outcomes of being honest, you can be yourself and say exactly what you want. For instance, you won't take up an assignment you're not convinced with, or you won't just go along with a pretense to impress a girl. Instead, you take up a stand for what you believe in. Wearing your heart on your sleeve shows courage. Again, that's from the Huffington Post. Anyone who says that wearing your heart on your sleeve is a sign of weakness is likely to be someone who has a fear of expressing their emotions, even to those they hold near and dear. Your ability to share your vulnerability takes far more courage than trying to appear strong. Here's part of a story that gives a different perspective on this week's metaphor. It's part of a social campaign by the Heart on Your Sleeve movement and designed to break down the stigma of mental health amongst young millennials. The movement is led by Mitch Wallace, who has been a victim to a lifetime of chronic mental illness, but also understands the mental health field from a clinical perspective as a master's student of psychology. On the outside, I had the perfect life. I mean, no one would have suspected anything was wrong. I had the perfect job, the expensive car, property investments, great girlfriends, great family, good upbringing. Everything was fine, but yet nothing was at the same time. For longer than I can remember, I've suffered from some of the most severe and debilitating mental health problems even since I was a child. Chronic anxiety, intense depression, obsessive compulsive thinking, perfectionist attitudes, panic attacks that'll hit me out of nowhere, day in and day out. I've cried myself to sleep for, for weeks on end. The rumination and the constant wondering what is wrong with me, things got so intense that I really considered whether being alive was a sustainable or I would say realistic endeavor for me. So many people go day to day trying to put on this brave face, but on the inside, they're crumbling. We think about mental health as 
you know, you're suffering, you're weak, you're vulnerable. You show that expression or that emotion and, you know, you're typecast. They're not the victims, they're not the weak. They're the strong and the, and the courageous. Even the people who don't let us in, who put their thorns out, they're probably the people who need our help the most, but yet they're the hardest to help. When you're really in the depths of, of pain and suffering, quicker than you know, you're spiraling out of control. And you look back and, and you just think, how am I getting out of here? It's in those moments that you can no longer hold yourself afloat, that you have to allow people to come in and take you to shore. Even in times where you become so low that you selfishly go, I don't care about anything, I just need to feel better. I cannot keep going. I'm not talking about this now publicly because I want sympathy. If anything, I've spent my entire life trying to hide this from people. That has to change. Even if it means shattering the reputation that we think that we have or that we may lose. It's time that I and we as a generation stand up and let people say, I am broken and that's okay. So this week, as I sign off, I have a request. Wear your heart on your sleeve. It just wants. Yes, I know it can be scary and it might not turn out how you imagined, but that's okay because that's life. But better to have taken the chance than live in the ever-expanding realm of what if. Thanks for listening to this episode of Metaphorically Speaking. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned something new. I know I did. We'd love you to share the show with your friends and please feel free to leave a review on colorful.com or on our podcast, Metaphorically Speaking, which is on Apple, Spotify and all major streaming platforms. If you'd like to suggest a metaphor for an upcoming show, you can reach us at info at metaphoricallyspeaking.uk. Join us for another metaphor next week. Until then, I'm Delia Delore. Goodbye.